Welcome, welcome, and welcome, my friends, to another exciting edition of The Doghouse. My name is Will, and I am your host of the official podcast of the best fantasy football league in the land. Thank you so much for pressing play. That was a brilliant decision. We have a jam-packed episode because we have a lot to get to today. We have been off for three or four weeks due to a little uh, vacation that I took. And uh, the production team decided to shut things down. Uh, they decided that the um, the episodes were starting to get a little dull and we needed a little break. I leave them wanting a little more sort of thing. Let some trades build up. And boy, did we. Because this episode, we will be going over all of the trades that occurred at the trade deadline. So that means that the news segment is going to be Full of trades. I think we had six trades. I'm very excited to get through those and uh, discuss the impact that they should be having on our playoff runs. Uh, Looking at a little bit of a roll call, I am again recording in my truck in (laughs) parking lot of Katie's dance studio because this is really the best time to record for me in middle of the week. Uh, Wednesday is a good recording day, so I like it. Let's go ahead and get to the episode MVP. Well, like I mentioned, we have a bunch of trades to discuss coming up, and so the MVP of this episode is going to go to the person who had the most trades. That's right, there was one particular uh, league member of ours who was in half of the trades, and that individual will be getting the episode MVP uh, shortly. Stay tuned. Cliffhanger. Uh, But I also realized that I forgot to say what else was on this episode before, so quickly rushing to get to the episode MVP. You know, trade deadline will do that to me. I get pretty excited about trades. Uh, But in addition to going over all the new trades that we had, uh, the recent trades that we had uh, as we approached the trade deadline, we also are going to have a week 13 review We're going to take a little look at what week 14 looks like as our playoff seating is getting uh, sorted out. Uh, Of course, we're going to have an old trade, and I'm going to have to come up with a random stat as well. Uh, I'll I'll probably have to uh, think of something on the fly. I meant to start writing some down. I might have to check some notes. I might have accidentally written one down a couple weeks ago. All right, so without further ado, let's get to the MVP. That's right. You love him. You know him. It is Booby, CPB Rob Robo, for those of you wondering. CP for Cal Poly, B ball, because he is known for just being a phenomenal basketball player. He's like 5'6 and once made a basket. And so he loves it. He's really good. And then his he likes his first name so much he put it in his tag twice. It's Rob Robo. Uh, the O's for his last name. We just call him Booby, and he is our episode MVP because most importantly, he was behind half of the trades that we had as we uh, approached and got to the trade deadline. He was even trying to swing some more trades. I know that I was involved in some negotiations with him, and I will I will say that right before is is an appropriate MVP episode MVP for Booby because right before the trade deadline hit. 
I was asking or someone asked, I think I asked, who's the most challenging to trade with? And everyone said Booby. Yet as this trade deadline approached, Booby had half of the trade. So a well-deserved episode MVP to the former champ. Congrats, Booby. Now let's go ahead and take a look at those trades. Well, it's only been about one minute since I stopped recording, but two things came up in that minute. Number one, I realized that there's been two episodes in a row where I repeated a segment, and I apologize for that. Uh, One, I accidentally also said at the end how horrible the production value is, so it actually kind of worked. It almost looked like I did it on purpose. I I did not. Um, And then the second one, it happened again. It could have happened like four times, and I fixed three of them. Um, They've since adjusted the the problem, and so hopefully I'm not repeating segments anymore or leaving out segments entirely, which I think I did uh, once as well. Um, The other thing was I stepped outside of my truck for one second to grab a beer because I'm an alcoholic, and this is Georgia, and you can just drink a fucking light beer while in a parking lot for your daughter's dance and this woman in another truck, they're all just trucks around here, that's all it is. Uh, This woman in another truck looked up from her phone and looked at me like she was up to fucking no good. And I was just thinking, if you had any idea, lady, that I'm actually recording a podcast in here, who knows what you're doing, but I bet it's not as embarrassing as recording a podcast that only four people listen to. And by embarrassing, I mean awesome. I get those two confused sometimes. All right, we heard that intro music. That means it is time for the news. This is one of my favorite segments whenever we have some trades to discuss. We have not had many trades to discuss recently as we've been doing a lot more episodes and there was a little bit of a lull as folks were kind of figuring out uh, whether or not they were going to make a run for the, the, the run in the playoffs. And let's go ahead and take a look at how many trades we had. The last trade we covered was on November 2nd. Uh, today we're going to be covering one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, I got it right earlier. Six trades um, that occurred between November 13th and the trade deadline of November 29th or November 28th or whatever day that was. Anyway, let's just get right on into it and take a look at the first trade. The first trade is an interesting one. We have Stanley trading for Ridley again. I shouldn't say trading for Ridley again. I should say having another trade that involves Ridley. We, of course, remember the incredibly lopsided trade when Stanley was able to get rid of Ridley and get future Hall of Famer Daniel Jones back in return and how we immediately praised Stanley for having such great foresight in recognizing that Ridley was on his way out of the NFL while Daniel Jones was ascending. But now, after Booby spent, got like zero minutes played out of Ridley. Stanley has now gotten him back and let's see what it cost him. Who did he send over to Booby? Booby got Boyd from uh, Cincinnati, the third wide receiver over there. He got Moreau, the backup tight end uh, in Las Vegas, and he got my 25 second. And so this is an interesting trade to take a look at because um, mainly because Ridley was traded before for his fall from grace between these two and now he's he's 
trading for him back. Um, but then also it'll be interesting to see as we get a little closer to next year, what really actually looks like. And as we get into next year and see is who is Ridley, um, is he going to be the stud that we thought he was going to be? Uh, or is he actually going to be a little bit too old now? Cause he's going to be like 29, but he also hasn't played in the better part of two years. So he should have some fresh legs. Kind of reminds me of Adrian Peterson. And uh, he played at a tougher position until he was 53. So let's go ahead and take a look. So nice trade, you two. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm going to give Stanley the win since he basically got... <laughs> because because Booby bought Ridley for a serviceable quarterback and then never got anything out of him and then and then uh instead got back some some change for him so anyway good job stanley uh but that was just the first of many trades for booby which i'm very happy about let's take a look at the next trade which was between rick and i oh yeah that was one where rick needed a an idp he said, first person to send me a startable IDP gets Duvernay. And I said, uh, oh, I just picked up an IDP I don't care about. And I'll take a young wide receiver with some upside. And so I sent him Luvu and I got Duvernay. I, he was able to, to put Luvu right into the lineup. Oh, we were playing each other too, actually. Um, and now I don't remember what happened. So I'm going to guess that I won. And I think the difference wasn't between I remember paying attention to the difference of the outcome uh, or the difference of the match to see if match up to see if it was the difference between who I started in place of Luvu because he he scored a few more points than the guy that I started uh, but it but it didn't so not not a whole lot to see there and with the trade deadline approaching we did have some really good trades and including the next one, which was the biggest trade that we had as we approached the trade deadline, and maybe the biggest trade of this season. I haven't actually, uh, I'd actually have to take a closer look back at, we've had some pretty epic trades this season. But we had Needham acquiring Eckler from Ben Rose for Rondale Moore, a 23 third, a 23 second, and two 24 firsts. That was quite a haul for Rose, and that is quite an addition for Needham. I think he was like the running back three on the year or two on the year. You know, he might have actually been the running back one on the year at the time of this trade. I think there were a lot of people, myself included, that were surprised that Ben traded away Eckler while he had lost a couple and had a couple performances that were below his liking. Um, he also had multiple weeks this year where he put up big numbers. I think he put up over 150, like I'm going to guess four times and I'm going to guess he put up over 175 at least a couple times. Um, but what I think Ben saw was a log jam in the middle and he decided he didn't trust his team enough to make a legitimate run for it and better sell off some parts at their high value while he could. Um, and it was interesting because it's it, he doesn't own any of his picks for next year. So it wasn't like he, this is not a tank job to get better draft picks. I think it really more was just looking at the layout of the land. And I, I'm just guessing on all of this. I think he was looking at the layout 
of uh, our league with the nine teams who could win this thing and deciding, you know, there's probably four or five who should cut bait, and I think I'm one of them, so maybe I should do it before uh, Eckler pulls his ACL or pulls his hamstring or or before other people start send before the other buyers start spending. So good job uh, by Rose, uh, I think. We'll find out. I guess it'll depend on what you do with those four draft picks. Uh, and also Rondale Moore, who I think is probably equivalent to a second rounder. So in a way, it was like two firsts, two seconds, and a third. Um, and and very well done by Needham. Needham was second in points when he got Eckler. He's taking a look up at first at points at my, myself and, and saying, you know, I think I'd need at least just one more guy. And boy, is Eckler uh, that one guy. He can hang a 40-point up uh, performance any given Sunday. And so I am now that much more scared of Needham. So well done, Needham. All right, that was our big one. Let's see, what was our next one? We have another booby trade, and we have booby sending off TDP for a second rounder to Austin. So Boobies now has a, another draft pick. Remember, he got one back in the Ridley deal, a second rounder, and now he has another second rounder. So now Booby's starting to stack some draft picks a little bit. And what did it cost him? It cost him Ty Davis-Price. Um, right now, it looks like Ty Davis-Price is running behind Jordan Mason uh, because Shanahan, what he likes to do is he likes to trade up, him and Lynch, they like to trade up to get a third-round running back, but then they like to sign someone who is undrafted, a running back who's undrafted, and then they like that undrafted running back to then win the backup role over the third rounder that they drafted. This is the second year in a row. It was Elijah Mitchell over Sermon last year, and it is, seems to be Mason over TDP this year. That being said, just like I hadn't given up on Sermon uh, going into this year, I am not giving up on uh, Davis Price. I think Austin is on to something there. Uh, we'll see. It's uh, I'm a big fan of any player that has SF and RB next to his name, and I think it was also a, a solid attempt to handcuff the CMC investment that he made this offseason before he even knew that CMC was going to get paired up with Shanahan. So well done, Austin. That's a, a handcuff move. I like it. Good job, Booby. It's a 25-second. People aren't probably thinking too much of it because it's 2025, but that is another draft pick, and you do have another trade. I can't remember if you had another draft pick in that one, but I bet you did. Let's move on to our last two trades. We had Austin. Now, I, I had mentioned this before. I'll say it again. It is really, really um, common for back-to-back trades to involve one of the same parties. And so we I went through that in detail previously. Uh, and here we go. Here's another example. Um, on the same day, there was two trades on the 27th, but they involved the same person. So Austin then went and had a trade with Adam. And Austin sent Algier to Adam for a 23 second. And it's Rick Pierce's 23 second. So an early 23 second. So Adam identifies Algier as a target. He has a, Adam has a ton of draft picks. And so he's kind of already started his draft. And so he basically spent the, let's call it the 201, because whether it is or isn't, it probably won't be. Um, but regardless, Pierce is going, it's going to be one of those first four picks in the second round. At the time of the trade, um, if you are uh, Adam, you have to 
be willing to be sending over the 201. And so if you're Adam, he's just spent his future 201, which might be the, as low as the 204, on Algier. I like it. Um, I'm not going to look up how many draft picks Austin has, or excuse me, Adam has right now, but a consistent theme on recent doghouse episodes has been Adam continuing to stack and stack and stack draft picks. Well, at some point you actually have to start using them because you need people on your roster. So uh, Adam has started his 23 draft already and he got Algier. We will find out in, um, believe it or not, just a few short months of exactly who Austin takes with that pick. Remember the 23 draft is supposed to be a stacked draft and an early second might be equivalent to a late first in another year. True or not, who knows? But that's the hype that 2023 has had at this point for like a year and a half, if not two full years. All right, we gotta be wrapping up, but we gotta have another booby trade. And oh, that's right, we have a big one. And it doesn't involve booby getting another pick. This is the other big name to get dealt at the deadline. And the question about this trade is, is it just a big name or is it a big asset? That's because Rick Wylan has purchased Alvin Kamara from Booby. Wow, it must have cost a ton, right? That's Alvin Kamara. He's an RB1. He's an absolute stud. It had to be for a ton. Let's see. It was for a 2025 first and Corderell Patterson and nothing. Nothing. That's it. So Booby thinks that Kamara sucks and apparently couldn't get any more for Kamara because what he got for him was an aging, uh, an expiring asset in Cordero, uh, Cordero Patterson, who I think might have three more serviceable starts left in his career, and a first-round draft pick, uh, which is Wylands, which is always going to be a late, always a late draft pick, um, and that's not for another three years, so two and a half years. I think that Wyland just absolutely robbed Booby. Booby, obviously, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And like I said, assume he was unable to get another first rounder or even a second to go with that first. Um, and Kamara did suck uh, his last game, and he has actually sucked a decent amount um, this year. I, he's been incredibly disappointing. I have him. I went through great lengths of lying to multiple people and playing a little bit of a long, long con to get Kamara uh, at the 301 in a redraft or 212. I like to say 301. It sounded better at the time. Uh, and he actually has really sucked. So maybe Booby is right. Maybe Kamara actually sucks and his best days are behind him. And maybe he's just a name at this point. But one thing that I know Wyland is aware of, because I have been hearing it multiple times over the last three weeks, is that although Kamara has not been putting up good numbers so far this season, he has an incredibly favorable playoff schedule. He is going up against. I don't and remember, but I do remember that they must be good enough matchups because I keep hearing about it on multiple different uh, as shows on Sirius XM and on the podcast I listen to. So I'm going to guess there's like a Lions, uh, Texans, 
and uh, someone else who sucks, uh, Seattle. I'm going to guess those are his three. I have no idea what they actually are, but apparently they are a great matchup. So Rick Weiland is sick and tired of finishing second. Uh, one of the reasons why he finished second uh, 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 two seasons ago was because of Kamara having the uh, career game. Rick Weiland is hoping that Kamara can have that career game for him. Kamara and career are hard for me to say in the same sentence. Uh, Rick is hoping that that career game from Kamara can come for him this year's uh, Money Shot Bowl presented by Pornhub.com. So that was your news. That was the trade deadline. I, I, I don't think we had any on the actual final day. Um, but I really enjoyed watching how all the trades had been getting worked on for a couple weeks. And then by the last week, everyone had decided whether they, what they were and what they weren't willing to, uh, do and pay for and what moves to make. And so it was really fun. The trade deadline week to watch from afar as I, I think that, our league just got that much more like the NFL or NBA or MLB where deals start getting worked on over a longer period of time and they come to fruition all together at once as people are making their moves. So well done to all of us. That was a great uh, trade deadline and I look really forward to seeing how those trades end up influencing our playoffs coming forward, especially with Needham's purchase of Eckler and Ardub's purchase of Kamara. That's enough of the news today. Let's go ahead and move on to the meat and bolts, the nuts and potatoes. For this episode, we are going to be taking a look at the week 13 preview. And boy, did we have an exciting week. We have Playoffs starting week 15. There's a lot of jockeying for positioning going on. We were always one we were all wondering who the ninth team was that was gonna not be able to make it to the playoffs, um, or maybe choose to not make it to the playoffs. Well, we end up seeing that is most likely gonna be Ben Rose as he sold off Eckler. But again, it's not like he's trying to get into that first tournament since he doesn't have any of his own 2023 picks. Um, And so uh, let's go ahead and take a look at week 13 as these last two weeks are going to be determining determining seeding as well as who is the team that had a chance a few weeks ago to win the whole thing, but now is going to be going to the first tournament. The first matchup that we are going to be talking about is was the highest ranked matchup going into this week as I in first place was going up against Wolfett in fourth place. Not only was it the best matchup on paper, but it ended up being the best matchup in the league on the week. And the final score was 180 for me to 175 for Wolfett. That's right. That song means that Wolf, it was our turd lump of the week. And if I remember correctly, the 175 point turd lump is the second, high, no, is the highest turd lump of the season. Second only to when Wolf, it also received the turd lump when he went up against me the 
previous time. So Wolfit put up two very, very impressive scores against me each time, and I happened to come out ahead. But don't feel bad. The two top scores in the league remain Wolfits from 2019 in the semifinals and the Money Shot Bowl presented by Pornhub.com. So don't cry for Wolfit. All right, 180 to 175. Let's call it 176 because it's 0.5. Let's round that up. Uh, who was the MVP for me? Well, that one's really easy. That is Devontae Adams with 44 points. How did he get that? He had eight catches for 177 yards. I'm sorry. I said that kind of like it was regular. For 177 yards and two touchdowns, including a long touchdown. He was making the DBs look silly. And I sure hope he continues that because I was looking like I was going to get my butt beat. And then Adams came in and became the MVP of the match. So thank you, Devante. Great job. All right. Who's the bust you? Well, I don't want to give it to Ken Walker. All right, so Ken Walker got the lowest score, but he got injured. And by the way, he got 36 yards on three carries. So really, he was averaging 12 yards a carry. He got injured. I'm not going to give you the bust you. Who I am going to give the bust you is to George Kittle. And while apparently he had one catch that was super, super impressive uh, from uh, uh, one reception from Purdy was the, the point I was trying to get to. That It was so impressive the way Purdy hit Kittle because I said that Kittle wasn't targeted much. Um, he got four points on Sunday because he got two catches for 22 yards. So I'm not sure exactly what impressive play uh, y'all are referencing. There might have just been a 20-yarder that was up the seam just like Jimmy G normally does. Uh, regardless, I think Brock Purdy is going to be um, – well, okay, I, I should just say I didn't see Brock Purdy looking Kittle's way on Sunday. He seemed to be looking towards Debo, and of course, that's what, a, you know, you see what you want to see, and so that would be my confirmation bias right there. That being said, Debo didn't do amazing. He only got like 63 yards, uh, but he did get 10 targets and six receptions in that game. All right, so the bus dude's going to go to George Kittle. I hate to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, who is my sneaky start? The sneaky start? I don't know. I don't really. Oh, of course. Oh, there he is. You know, he was in Joe Mixon's spot. And so I just assumed it was Joe Mixon. But of course not because Joe Mixon didn't play. It was Samaj P. Ryan getting me 25 points on his 155 total yards, including six catches. That's right. He was doing it all with Joe Mixon out. Um, that was a perfect example of me uh, identifying my handcuff. And I went and traded Raheem Mostert uh, for P. Ryan uh, once I got Mixon. And so I love when that happens, when my handcuff actually just fills right. He filled in so perfectly. I didn't even recognize it was a sneaky start at first just because he was in Mixon's spot. All right, let's take a look at Wolfit's roster to see who the put-me-in coach is. And, well, of course, that's going to be Bobby Wagner. If he would have played Wagner, he would have beaten me by 23 points. No, that's not true. Uh, 23 minus Parsons. Yeah, he would have beat me by 20 points. Um, 
so how did Wagner do so well? He got two sacks and an interception. He defended a pass. He hit the quarterback twice, and he had seven tackles. Good for 28 points. I do not like to give a lot of love to IDPs, but if there's uh, if there's an IDP MVP in LOC, it's probably Wagner. Uh, he is the most talked about IDP that we have in this league. Uh, who else did amazing? Uh, Jalen Hurts had 40 points, so let's shout him out. Uh, and then uh, who else did I have? Tyreek Hill got 37 points in that matchup. All right, that was our best matchup. That was an awesome one. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's move on to the number two seed last week, who is uh, still the number two seed because he was victorious. Who is he? He is Austin. We talked about Austin and Adam making a trade uh, during this news cycle. Well, guess what? Austin went up against Adam, number two versus 11. That's about what the score ended up playing out like. Austin wins 152 to 102 for Adam. A nice 50-point comfortable win for uh, Austin cruising to victory. How did he do it? Well, he got 30 points out of this guy named Christian McCaffrey. Don't know if you heard of him. I don't remember people thinking McCaffrey had a great game, but he had 146 yards, a touchdown, and eight catches. I feel like people were talking more about Jordan Mason getting some run, um, and I guess the focus was more about Jimmy G getting hurt and what would happen with the passing game. But one of the things to remember with the passing game is they can pass it to Christian McCaffrey, and he did have 10 targets, caught eight of them. Good for 30 points. Well done, Austin. All right, who's the bust you on Adam's side? Uh, that would be Zay Jones. Oh, man. Zay Jones was a bust you for me in, in um, my fraternity redraft as well. I was very lucky to escape with the win. I had a win gifted to me. Um, but Zay Jones only had two catches for 16 yards. You can do the math. That's only 3.6 points. And that is good enough for the bust you. All right. Who is the sneaky start on Austin's side? Uh, let's give that to Christian Kirk. I heard a lot of people saying, get Christian Kirk in your lineups, and he did, and he did incredibly well as he got 19 points on 104 yards off of six catches. Well done, Christian Kirk. Let's also give a shout-out to Nick Bosa, who had three sacks and a forced fumble, hit the quarterback four times, and had three tackles, which was good for 23 points. You get a little honorable mention there, Mr. Bosa. And uh, I heard that uh, visuals are really good for podcasts. And so I'm doing the Bosa hands up in the air, who me celebration. Actually, I'm not. I'm holding my phone. But uh, I do like picturing that celebration. All right, who is the put me in coach? Well, Geno Smith got 29 points for Adam. Is that the answer? Yeah, we're going to have to make that the answer. Although Curtis Samuel did get 15. Geno Smith, let's see, who, what quarterback did Adam run with? He ran with Derek Carr, who got him 20 points. Not a bad game. Geno Smith only outscored him by nine. But Geno Smith did throw for 367 yards and get three touchdowns. Uh, he had a long completion, and everything else didn't give him a lot of points. Yeah, we got a fumble in there. We got a couple carries for a few yards. Um, so well done, uh, Gino Smith, trying to find your way back into Adam's starting lineup. Um, I think Derek Carr, I would have played Derek Carr also. 
All right, let's move on to our third matchup. Who is the third seed? Well, the third seed last week is the third seed this week, as that was Jason Kelly going up the sixth seed in Needham. I hear myself doing it again. I'm referring to them as seeds. I've been doing it all regular season. These are not seeds. These are what place we are in in the standings. I'm just, you know what's the crazy thing is once we get to week 15, I'm going to start describing everyone as what place they're in and I'll forget about seeding. Uh, but third place, Jason Kelly up against sixth place, Needham. Needham with his brand new shiny toy in Eckler. And this was the Army Bowl. This was the rematch of the Army Bowl as Jason Kelly came out victorious. Needham was looking for that sweet, sweet revenge and he achieved it as he won 175 to 147. Good for the third highest score, the second Highest score was the turd lump in Wolfit. Super unlucky. And then I had the highest score. So the podium went 180, 176, 175. Um, which also tells you, for these playoffs, you better be ready to put up 175 if you really want to win. I think 160 is a typical playoff expected line. You can get away with winning at 160 with our average being about 141 to 145 in the playoffs. Uh, but you're going to really want to be looking more at like 175 and really closer to north of that if you want to be able to guarantee getting through in the playoffs, especially since this year seeding doesn't matter. The eighth seed is most likely going to beat me and I don't even know who the eighth seed is but it doesn't matter we have multiple 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 incredibly solid teams who are built very well and can put up big big points all right so anyway third matchup was the army bowl take two um I don't know what uh, the history is in the army bowl uh, over the last few years and uh, this would be the third year of needham in the league fourth year of the league uh, and so i don't know if this is their fourth matchup maybe their fifth not sure if they'd faced off twice before in a year but they did this year and we have needham coming out victorious because he got 31 points from no you know what Let's scratch that. I was about to give it to Burrow because I saw that big three number as Burrow put over 31. But I see 28 from scary Terry McLaurin. He had 12 targets. Mr. McLovin himself, eight catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. A very, very solid start. Uh, from Terry McLaurin. Wouldn't need him love to see him get some of his mojo back uh, that we all saw earlier in his career. The bust you has to go to Deshaun Watson. I was wondering if Jason was going to play Deshaun Watson. He ended up holding him for so long, and I totally get it um, that he wanted to get him back in there. Here's the thing. If he didn't put Watson in there, he would have put Kirk Cousins in there, and Kirk Cousins only got 12 points. So it didn't cost him anything, but Watson definitely was the best you, as he only got six points. He only completed 12 passes for 131 yards, no touchdowns, threw a pick, only ran for 21 yards, and he looked rusty. Now, are we surprised? No, but we also wouldn't have been surprised if Deshaun Watson came out looking good. So now it's just a matter of how long will it take for Deshaun Watson to look like himself? Will it even be this year? I think so. I think you give, I think in a couple weeks. As a matter of fact, I think by our playoffs, 
he should be good to go. Um, if not the first round, definitely the second round. I'm going to give him three weeks, and I expect elite numbers week four. I'm going to go garbage numbers this week, mediocre numbers this next week, pretty decent numbers the following week, and then really good numbers. That's going to be my Deshaun Watson progression from suspension. Uh, easy for me to say. All right, so that's your bust you. Who is the sneaky star? I mean, it's kind of McLaurin, right? Uh, no, let's give it to Taysom Hill. All right, Taysom Hill is always going to be either the bust you or the sneaky start. And what that also tells you is playing Taysom Hill is risky because that might, he might be the reason you lose. He might be the reason you win. Now, Needham won by a little under 30 points, 27 points, something like that. Uh, So Taysom Hill's 13 wasn't going to make or break him, um, but he definitely was able to get a very nice early touchdown from Taysom Hill. Always nice to get the points from Hill early. He ended up throwing a pass for 21 yards, carrying three times, but only for 10 yards. He did catch two passes, only for 35 yards, but one of them did find the end zone. So he was able to put together some stats. Mostly he found the end zone, um, and that was a difference between um, a poor to mediocre game for him to uh, pretty decent, 13, not bad for him. Not bad for for a a fringe player. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know what to call him. He's his own thing. He's an enigma. I like that about him. All right, who is the put-me-in coach? Let's give Amon St. Brown a little love for Jason getting 38 points off 114 yards, two touchdowns, 11 catches off 12 targets. How to just sneak him in there just to give him a little honorable mention love. Who is the put-me-in coach for Jason? You know, I don't see a lot of points on that bench. Two, two, one, zero, one, zero, one, two. Um, I mean, Andy Dalton got 14. Kenyon Drake got six. Uh, Jason didn't didn't make any sit or start uh, failures or mistakes. Uh, let's go ahead and just say Andy Dalton. He outscored the starter by eight points. How did he get his 14 points? He threw for 230 yards, and he threw a touchdown as well. He did have one pass completed over 40 yards, so he did have one uh, deep pass. I think that was to Alave, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, good job, Needham. Uh, winning in the Army Bowl. Let's take a look at what that does in the standings because I know I remained at first with my win. Austin remained at second with his win. Jason remained at third with his loss. Wolfett remained at fourth with his loss. And Needham went from seventh to sixth. Uh, I think I said he was sixth earlier. He started the week seventh. All righty. So let's see. Who is next? Next would have been Booby was the five seed. And who did Booby go up against last week? Booby went up against Rick Wyland. Rick Wyland at that time was the six seed. So this was five versus six, I think, if I'm looking at my, my adjusted standings correctly. And it wasn't a great performance from Rick. Uh, it was a little below average, but 134, not horrible. And he won comfortably. He cruised to a 20-point victory. Uh, comfortably. 20 points, not bad. Um, that's really only like two decent plays in this league. But uh, one by 20 points, beating Booby 134 to 113 as I round with the decimals. And let's take a look at how he did it. Rick, who is your MVP of this match? Let's go ahead and give it to DeAndre Swift. Oh, is he back? Oh, did I call him DeAndre Swift? Yeah, that's because it's his name. He's been so mediocre for so long, I just 
got his first name confused with Deontay Foreman's and was convinced that when I said DeAndre, that it was incorrect because no one named DeAndre can put up 23 points. But maybe Swift can be productive these last few weeks going into the fantasy playoffs as he is now working himself all the way back from that injury and might actually be getting the lion's share of touches. <laughs> See what I did there? And taking some away from Jamal Williams. While I know Jamal Williams is going to have a lot of the goal line touches and, and will still have his relevance, um, I am very interested in what Swift can do as well as in my redraft where Jason is first and I am second. I have DeAndre Swift and he's been sitting on the bench as I've been playing Jamal Williams, but I would love to get him back in there. Good enough for the MVP for this matchup between Wyland and Booby. Uh, how did he get to his 23 points? He got a touchdown and 62 yards on the ground. And he also caught four passes for 49 yards. So um, let's keep that rolling. What do you say, Rick? I mean, don't do it against me. Um, but if you do it against me, then that also should mean that I'm doing it in the playoffs in a redraft. So I might not hate it that much. All right, who is the bust you that's got to be Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. I mean, let's also acknowledge that uh, I was about to say Patterson didn't do anything, but he outscored Kamara by point three. Uh, so maybe Booby's laughing at us all. Derrick Henry only got six points. I mean, I know that uh, Derrick Henry was made available, and I know he was not cheap, and I'm very glad I didn't pay uh, for what the asking price was. And this is one of the reasons he's a, he's an expiring asset and he got 30 yards uh, on the ground and eight yards off two catches. I'm amazed he got two catches. I'm amazed he got three targets, uh, six points for Derrick Henry bust you, uh, you might've won booby that championship a year and a half ago or two seasons ago. Um, but you didn't help him out with seeding for this year's playoffs this week. Derrick Henry bust you, and who is the sneaky start? Um, Jamar Chase was a little bit sneaky because you weren't really sure. Let's give it to Jamar Chase. You know, you weren't really sure. This was his first game back, if I remember correctly, right? He didn't play before that. Yeah, I'm correct. This was his first game back. So you never know. you got to kind of trust that they're going to be able to actually let him get a full run out there. And he did. He had eight targets. He caught seven of them, good for 97 yards. And he had a deep uh, reception. I don't know exactly how many yards it was, but we know it was over 40 yards. So good job, Jamar Chase. Good job, Wyland, putting him right back in your lineup. Don't know what your other options were, um, but it's not like you were going to put in Russell Gage, Jarvis Landry, or Julio Jones ahead of him, but you did put him in. You do get credit, and we'll call it a sneaky start just because he was returning from injury. You never really know what you're going to get. Who is the put-me-in coach for Booby? Jared Goff got 26. That's got to be the answer, right? Corey Davis with 13. Uh, IDP with 14. Let's go ahead and give it to Jared Goff. 26 points. He outscored uh, Tom Brady, uh, who was in the starting lineup for Booby, uh, by eight points, give or take, once you're uh, including rounding the decimals as you could tell it always bugs me because then i say numbers that are then not exact and i feel like a hypocrite um but i appreciate uh you guys giving me the the freedom to round here in the league of champions jared goff completed 31 passes on 41 attempts for 340 yards and two touchdowns good for 26 points and him telling booby take out that 45 year old and put me 
in there. With that finish, Rick Weiland goes up from 6th to 5th. Well done. Needham went from 7th to 6th. Well done. And Booby slides down two spots from 5th down to 7th. All right, that gets us to the eighth seed going into last week, which was BT. BT, who did you play? You went up against Ben. It was eight versus nine. It was BT going up, uh, trying to make his run for the playoffs versus Ben, who has already given up but is down to make the playoffs if y'all want to let him. And that's kind of what happened because Ben won while only scoring 127 points. Not the worst outing ever, but I assume it was our lowest scoring uh, winning total uh, as I'm not on the main page and can't see right now. How did he win with 127? Uh, comfortably, because BT only put up 90 points. Let's take a look at that in a second. But first, let's see how Ben got up to 127. And that would be because he had this guy named D. K. Metcalf. You may have heard of him. He was targeted eight times and caught all eight for 127 yards, including a long touchdown. Good for 31 points in LOC. Well done, DK. Well done, Ben. Who is the bust you for uh, BT? He had Waddle, who only got nine yards on one catch, but Waddle got hurt, right? He got hurt. Uh, um, oh, he returned to the game and yeah, so he did get, he did get hurt. He missed some time. He did have five targets and not do anything with them. Um, I don't love to give the bust you to the injured guys. Let's see. Let's give it to Michael Pittman then. Cause he wasn't hurt. The only thing hurt is his ego from having such a shitty year. Thank you, Pittman. I have him in a couple different redrafts and has not been helpful at all, or at least one. I don't know. It feels like two, but I probably just one. Uh, Pittman only caught two passes for 16 yards, and that's going to get him the bust you in this matchup. If we take a look at Ben's sneaky start, well, it's not going to be Amir Abdullah with the 0.4. Uh, Madison got 10, and let's go ahead and give it to, no, Demarcus Robinson. Getting 11 points on that Baltimore offense. He only had 41 yards, but he did catch seven passes. Lamar Jackson went out. Huntley came in. And Huntley is not afraid to complete a short pass. We might as well call him Jimmy G. Um, And that's exactly what Robinson was doing. Just sucking them all up by a vacuum. I like a vacuum. It was less than six yards of reception, but he did get seven catches. This is a PPR Good enough for 11 points and the sneaky start in this matchup. Now, BT sure didn't have a lot of points in his starting lineup, uh, including an IDP who he since cut. Uh, But let's take a look and see if he left any points on the bench. Oh, he did leave a couple points on the bench. It is a close uh, matchup for Put Me In Coach, and it's between A.J. Dillon's 22 versus Bam Knight's 19. Um, who did he play ahead of Dylan? I get, I have Dylan elsewhere and he sucks. Oh, played, you played Bam Knight over Antonio Gibson. Oh, I think it's time to stop drinking the Antonio Gibson Kool-Aid, um, BT. I did in my other, uh, uh, dynasty. I finally shipped him off. I, I just gave up right as Brian, right before Brian Robinson came back. I was like, you know what? I remember before Brian Robinson got shot, Gibson was made to return kicks. I better get rid of him now. Uh, So put me in coach. Is Bam Knight saying put me in there? No, I'm sorry. It's A.J. Dillon 
Um, I'm just also mad at A.J. Dillon because I also have him on my other dynasty. Um, He got 93 yards on the ground plus another 26 yards in the air. Um, I don't feel like doing that math. And uh, what's that, 119? I guess I do feel like doing that math. 119 total yards uh, plus three catches, good for 22 points and good for the put-me-in coach from A.J. Dillon. Wouldn't mind if he could do that with some consistency or wouldn't mind if Aaron Jones went down and I actually could put A.J. Dillon in with some faith. All right, so as Ben and uh, BT went up against each other as the eight and nine seed in week 13, guess what? Now as we enter the last week of the regular season, Ben is now the eight seed and is in position to make it into the playoffs. And BT has some work to do as he is now the nine seed, but he's not out of it. He's only one game. Um, no, he's tied with Ben for record. He's behind him by about 55 points, and that's that's a, a decent amount to make up, uh, but we know he has it in him. He's also behind Booby and Needham by one game, and he is behind Booby by also about 50 points, about 47 points. So don't count BT out yet. I'm not going to. Stanley's there at 10th. He's obviously going to end up at 10th. Um, that's one for you, Needham, and uh, we will be talking more about Stanley's finish here in a second as we get to the next matchup, which is Stanley's matchup. Am I right? Right? Because that was eight and nine. And then who else do we have left? Is that the last one? Do we have Stanley and Pierce going up against each other? We sure did. 10th place versus 12th place to wrap up our week 13 review. And boy, was it an exciting one. I will say it is is fun to see Pierce's real lineup now uh, while he's not able to pull off any victories yet his score is getting a heck of a lot closer to that league average league average about 141 give or take and pierce this week put up 127 so he's getting right there Uh, but stanley put up a good score with 154 and getting another win bringing his total up to six and seven i said weeks ago that he would finish as the 10 seed I took a look at the games. Uh, he was up uh, on the 11 seed and games behind. He was on the 9 seed and then also the amount of points. I will say, though, I did not bank on Ben selling off Eckler. And uh, Needham said, don't count out Stanley. I said, not only am I counting him out from the playoffs, I guarantee he's going to finish 10th. And honestly, I think... Uh, I'm going up against Ben this week, and I think I'm going to tank just to guarantee that Stanley finishes 10th. Um, not really. Oh, maybe, actually. I might do that. I wouldn't put it past I Don't put it past me. All right. How did... Uh, what's his name? Stanley. <laughs> I almost called him Wolf for some reason. How did Stanley get his victory? Well, he got 31 points from Lockett. He's the MVP of this matchup. Nine catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. Very well done, Mr. Lockett. So we had MVPs in matches including Metcalf and Lockett, probably because of a bust you candidate in Ken Walker going down. Right, so when Walker goes down, oh, and DJ Dallas had a high ankle sprain. So they basically, and they ended up, after Ken Walker got hurt, 
They put DJ Dallas back out there, even with his ankle sprain, because they were like, yeah, sorry, dude. We literally don't have a running back. You got to go back out there. So shocker, they ended up throwing more. Geno Smith got to put me in. Coach Metcalf got a, a, a matchup MVP, and now Metcalf gets it. Nope, his name is Lockett. I don't know who I just said when I meant to say <laughs> Metcalf a second ago. Maybe I said Metcalf, not sure. Um, but yeah, Smith, Metcalf, and Lockett. All right, so 31 points from Lockett, 128 on nine and one. Who is the bust you for Pierce? That's eh, fun. We're looking at Pierce's real lineup. The bust you is going to be TJ Hawkinson. Um, not a bad week considering how horrible all the uh, tight ends were. He got seven points. You know, let's go ahead. Uh, that's a tough. You know what? Pierce finally has a tough bust you. So good job, Pierce. I'm going to give the bust you to Hawkinson. Four catches, 33 yards. Very ho-hum, pretty boring. Uh, but hey, seven points. He was probably the tight end five on the week. All right. Who is the sneaky star? You know, I said Olave might have caught that long pass from Dalton, but he apparently didn't because I see him right here with 65 yards and no... Um, bonus. So now I can't remember who caught that long pass from Dalton. Not that it actually matters. The sneaky start. Let's go ahead and give it to Pollard. Pollard got 26 points. So Stanley's MVP and sneaky start both came out of his um, flex starters. Uh, Pollard got 26 points because he scored two touchdowns on the ground getting 91 yards on only 12 carries. Jeez Louise, have a nice yards per carry. He also tacked on two catches and 15 yards. Good enough for the sneaky start. As we take a look at Pierce's put-me-in coach, now his put-me-in coaches are actually in, um, but he did have a couple performers uh, that did well while on his bench, and one would be Alec Pierce, who caught four balls for 86 yards, including a long reception and a touchdown. Good for a nice 20 points. Uh, so it's nice to see Pierce's um, tanking, Finally starting to turn around where he's playing his real guys. I think he took the, I think he could have put his foot on the gas a lot sooner. I think he actually could have kept it on the gas all year and would have still made the first tournament. I think he would have been like uh, four and 10 or five and nine, and he still would have made the first tournament and maybe had a chance at not going up against the ninth seed. Um, but I'm belaboring that point. I've said that like a thousand times on this podcast. All right. So now let's take a look at the standings. Like I said, following this week 13 matchup, myself, Austin, Jason, and Wolfett remained in the top four. We have Wyland needing Needum moving up one spot each to five and sixth. Uh, sixth. We have Booby dropping down two spots to seven. Like I said, Ben and BT swapped with Ben now in the eighth spot, BT in the ninth. Stanley is 10th because I told you he's going to be. And of course, Adam is 11th and Rick Pierce is 12th. All right, let's take a look at the week 14 preview. As we get going, we have one last regular season matchup before we get started in the playoffs and we have me going up against Ben uh I need to 
somehow find a way to tank and lose to guarantee that Stanley uh, uh, stays 10th, but I think I'll just go ahead and play my starters anyway. Because um, also, I, I don't know what the... Uh, that'll be the random stat. The random stat this week is we're going to see which year had the highest total points. So we're going to look at 2019, 2020, 2021. If I remember correctly, Stanley got it in 19. Uh, I'm going to go with Booby got it in 2020. And uh, I'm going to guess Wyland in 21. I know it wasn't me. I won it, but I know I didn't win the regular season. Uh, so that's going to be our random stat. Uh, I should have teased that a little bit more, uh, but sometimes when you figure something out, it's just best to say it out loud. Uh, so me against Ben, one versus eight, or first versus eighth. Uh, then we're also going to have Austin against Needham, second versus sixth. That should be a really fun matchup. Um, definitely a potential playoff preview. Heck, it might be a, a first-round playoff preview. We have Booby at seven, in seventh place going up against uh, Rick Pierce. We have Jason Kelly in third place going up against Adam. We have Rick Weiland in fifth place going up against Stanley. And then we have Wolfett and BT fighting for his life in the ninth place while Wolfett has fourth place on lock. I don't know if that's true. Let's see. Do you have it on lock? Um, no, you don't have it on lock. Rick Weiland can definitely make a move for fourth place and Needham can too. Actually, they can all make a move for uh, third place as well. No, Needham can but Wyland and Wolfett cannot catch Jason Kelly's point total. Jason Kelly, a nice big old point total. Looks like the third highest point total. Uh, two teams have over 2,000 points. Needham has crossed over 2,000, and then I did um, a couple weeks ago as well. All right, that wraps up the Week 13 preview. Let's go ahead and figure out what the old trade is to review. We get to find out together. Now, you'll remember in prior episodes in this season, we started with the 2021 trades and they were very slow. They were mediocre uh, tight ends and third rounders. And I think we had 17 trades like that. Uh, Then it started to heat up a little bit. And then last episode, we had the infamous Josh Jacobs for DJ Chark. Well, this episode, the old trade that we are going to get to is one of the better and biggest trades that we've ever had in the league because it included, that's right, we're going over the trade when Wyland got Johnny Taylor. That's right, the guy that I was willing to take at the 101 this year in the redraft, along with everyone else in the world, the consensus 101 going into this year, Jonathan Taylor. Who sent him that way? Well, BT did. And what did BT get in response, or in return? Deontay Johnson and Miles Sanders. Now, honestly, the, the uh, okay, obviously Rick Weiland has, did quite well with this trade. He... Oh, uh, ended up when this was in 2021. And so he got the, uh, he won the regular season in 21. Uh, I looked it up in the last break. Uh, and then he also was able to get second place. And he did that with Jonathan Taylor. So no matter what, we're got to give Wyland the, the trade victory. But Deontay Johnson, I'm not, 
I'm not too worried about his kind of down year because he has the rookie quarterback. He's still getting a ton of targets. He's still amazing. Um, and I think the sky's the limit for him. I assume BT still has him. I can't even remember at this point. Um, and then Miles Sanders. I think he already shipped Miles Sanders off. But Jonathan Taylor for Deontay Johnson and Miles Sanders, one of our biggest trades. That was a great uh, trade, hopefully for both sides. Not sure if BT thinks it really was, um, but I'm pretty confident Wyland is a fan of that one. One of the earlier trades uh, in 2021. So this was an off-season trade. This was when BT was uh, making those moves and Wyland was really trying to get over the hump after losing to Booby in the Money Shot Bowl presented by Pornhub.com because Kamara had six touchdowns on Christmas. So next thing we know, uh, Wyland's going out to get himself the RB1 uh, on the season, and that's exactly what he got last year in Jonathan Taylor. So uh, big trade. Well done, Rick Wyland. Here we are. Um, you know, a year and a half later, almost coming up on almost two years later. uh, And that was a very strong trade and it involved trading away two guys. uh, One that's pretty decent in Miles Sanders and one that is going to be a stud for, I think, a stud for a decade in Deontay Johnson. So well done, uh, both sides. I like BT's side as well. And, um, but also very well done for Wyland considering uh, how much he already got from Taylor by making this trade. He, he's already made some money off that trade. So well done, Wyland. Let's go ahead and start wrapping this episode up and let's finish off with the random stat. That brings us to our random stat and our random stat uh, for this episode, as alluded to earlier, is going to be taking a look at each year's points for champion in the regular season so uh when this league started right off the bat we have always given a hundred dollars back to the person who finished the regular season in first place uh more times than not i've found that that person ends up losing in the playoffs and after dominating the entire league for the entire regular season i think the least you should do is get your money back and so that's what we do here let's go ahead and take a look at who's gotten those over the years well the first year in 2019 was stanley now stanley did not finish in the in the money that first year i don't think right no because it was wolfit and jason and ben i think uh obviously going off memory there uh but so stanley dominated in the regular season well dominated might not be as strong or as appropriate of a word it might be a little strong but he did have the second highest uh, regular season point total that we've had. That being said, it might it might behoove us to look at that as a little stronger because this was before all the different trades started happening and people started having more stacked teams. Uh, so 2019 champ in the regular season was Stanley. Not champ, what do we call that? Um, I don't know, to be branded later by the director of LOC Marketing. What did he get? He got 21.52. And that was not the lowest that we've had the four years because the actual lowest was 16 points less at 21.36 in 2020 from Booby. Now, Booby was the only one so far in the three seasons to be winning the regular season points for uh, total. 
and then going on and winning the Money Shot Bowl presented by Pornhub.com. So well done, Booby, for turning that championship run a, a wired, maybe not wire to wire. I don't know if you started off in first place, but winning the regular season and then going off and winning the playoffs. Well done, Booby, in 2020. But it was the lowest score. The current highest score on a regular season finish was Rick Weiland from last year with his 2,443 points. So he outpaced Booby by more than 300 from the year before and Stanley by almost that much as well, just a little bit under 300. Uh, so Weiland with his 2443 was a phenomenal performance. Uh, similar to Booby, he made it into the Money Shot Bowl presented by Pornhub.com after winning the regular season. So that was two in a row that made it um, to that, that final matchup. And uh, I will be hoping to do the same thing as I will be winning the points total in 2022. I currently am at 2330. That puts me 113 points behind Wyland. So now all of a sudden, while I wanted to uh, lose to Ben earlier to guarantee Stanley's 10th place finish, what I'm actually much more interested in doing is getting at least 114 points, if not maybe a couple hundred, and trying to have the top regular season points for total for this year and also hopefully that it will last so that is your uh your random stat for the day and look i i just want to thank you so much for listening i had a lot of fun doing this today it was a few weeks off uh and i had kind of been prepping myself all day kind of had a shitty day at work and so i was looking forward to trying to bust out the entire episode while in the parking lot for the hour and a half. I dropped her off at 5.15. It is currently 6.42. Mission accomplished. Look, guys, you are awesome for listening. We are awesome. And with that, let's cue music. We're out of here.